Imagine this ain't the vibe that you used to Baby, we going back to Eden We ain't gotta take a plane Let's be naked under shame Feel the wind and the rain on our being You ain't gotta be afraid I'm just trying to show the way to a place Leave your bags, leave your clothes, leave your shoes Get your heart and we'll groove on the way Can't lose if we stray Can't move if you let that weight choose to make you stay And uh, I don't really see no one but you And if you asking me, I like the view Trying to waste your time So spark it up You've been heavy on my mind Said if you want it You got it forever I just need one more chance Said if you want it You got it forever I just need one more dance Take a plane, let's be naked under shame Feel the wind and the rain on our being And you ain't gotta be afraid I'm just trying to show the way to a place Leave your bags, leave your clothes, leave your shoes Get your heart, we'll groove on the way Can't lose if we stray, can't move If you let that weight choose to make you stay uh, See, I don't really see no one but you And if you asking me, I like the view Trying to waste your time So spark it up You know you heavy on my mind Said if you want it You got it forever I just need one more chance Said if you want it You got it forever I just need one more Welcome to another episode of In The Mix with Michelle and thank you for tuning in. So my name is Michelle and I'm very excited to introduce you all to today's guest. Her name is Alisa N. Griego and she identifies as a queer Chicana multimedia performing artist, writer and director amongst many other things. I actually learned about Elisa thanks to Ever, a mutual friend from college, and he saw my call for women artist recommendations in my Instagram story and recommended Elisa as my next guest. So if you all know any women identifying artists who you think would like to be on the show, please tag me on their Instagram or direct message me their names. And if you're a self-identifying woman artist and you would like to be on the show, shoot me a message as well. Elisa, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> I'm excited to hear what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about <laughs> a lot of stuff, and I hope you're as excited as I am. So we'll just get started with an overview of your background, such as like where you grew up, where you went to school, what you studied, and what you're doing now. Um, so basically, my family grew up in El Sereno. I grew up there for my childhood, but I kind of moved around a lot. And then I ended up in Alhambra for a few years until I was like 16, dropped out of school for a bit, got back in school. <laughs> and then I went to Rio Hondo and transferred to UCLA, studied history had a minor in film and a minor in Chicano studies. I can't believe we never came across each other at UCLA, but that's fine. We're not meant to cross paths yet. <laughs> I know. It's, it's all good. We crossed paths today, so. I introduced you as a queer Chicana multimedia performing artist, writer, and director because that's what's on your website. <laughs> and I know you do many other things. But I'm curious to know how long it took you to start claiming these mentioned identities and any other identities that I didn't mention. I started performing at 16, but it probably took until I was at UCLA around like 19 for me to even say that I'm an artist. 
Um, I actually had a great professor. Her name was Olivia Alvarado at UCLA, and she um, taught Chicanos in film class. And she just told me one time, she was like, hey, like, I think you're a good writer. Maybe you should get published. <laughs> and I was like, what? Like, that's kind of weird. Um, so that's when I started. I was like 19 then. And that's when I started to basically call myself a writer. And then as a director, after I left UCLA, I think I was around 21, 20. Um, and I was with Outfest, which is a nonprofit organization that works with basically saving films for the LGBT community. And they have a huge festival every summer. So I was a part of their film fellowship called Outset. And during that time, I was selected to be one of the writers and directors. So after they kind of kept affirming me, <laughs> that's when I, when I took that title. And then now I'm just like, well, I'm definitely not a poet. I don't actually like that term. So yeah, I had to like embody like film and whatever this performing stuff is. Why don't you like the word poet? It just doesn't identify, like I don't identify with it just because like I'm not in a sense like it's more, it feels more like there's a lot of video in my performance and it's just like, it's just different. What about the identity of Chicana and queer? So my mom's father, my grandfather, he grew up where you call Chavez Ravine. And I guess like they were always like, yeah, we're Mexican, American. <laughs> and then when I took that class with Olivia, she was like, well, we're gonna learn about a whole bunch of different terms. And I was like, oh, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. So <laughs> I just like listened to her and I was like, oh, it's really interesting to see like the dynamics. And for me, like that's just the, the term that I identify as because I'm not like, I don't speak Spanish. <laughs> so it's just like another to that um, and then like queer it's always seemed like a bad thing until I got to UCLA and I learned more about it and it just it just seemed like more of something to be more fluid with and I don't know it's just more comfortable it's easier than having to like someone put a label on you and then you have to really dive into it, it just feels more comfortable thank you for for sharing more about that because I know it could definitely be difficult to start claiming these type of identities, especially mm -hmm. identities related to being an artist, which is why I was so curious into hearing how your journey has been in that. So I have a copy of your newly published book, as you can see, Sad Girl, Strong Woman, which you describe as a collection of poems that takes the reader on a two-year spiritual journey back to self-love, straight out of your website as well. <laughs> and... I, for one, very, very much enjoyed reading it. Like, I really did. And I was, I did feel like I was being taken along this two-year journey back to self-love. It really did feel like that. You split the book into chapters. Mm -hmm. You have some titled poems. You have some untitled, some with dates. The poems vary in length. Mm -hmm. And then on the top right, the first half has Sad Girl. And then the second half has Strong Women. And I just think it's very beautifully curated and I truly appreciate its progression because although the poems can stand alone, like you can tell that they very much tell a story together. Yeah. So that was uh, Michelle Salinas' review. <laughs> I really, really enjoyed this book. But I wanted to see how you talk about the book when people ask you what it's about, who is it for, why did you write it? You like, put what me on the spot. <laughs> what do you say about it when, when people ask you? So I feel like there's been so many chapters for this book that it's so hard to like to go every, through everything. Like what you just talked about, like basically about the untitled things and all that that's like a whole other element so i guess i can cover that if you want to hear about that but that's like very specific as well yeah <laughs> but i would say that the book it does have it starts basically in may 2015 and i never knew i was writing a book i just knew that i really liked this person and i just wanted to write to them how i felt and i would just do that like whenever i felt some type of way over this girl i would write something for her and sometimes I would send it to her and sometimes I wouldn't. And then that's just what happened. Like when things went sideways, like I still had like this pain that I needed to write and I would just like either sit on the floor writing it or in my phone. But I would say probably like majority of these poems, I legit cried in every poem. So like that shit's real. But I didn't know I had a book for the first two years until basically the ending right before the last chapter so right before disillusion the return right before she returned <laughs> and we met each other in accident basically i was like okay well i have a lot of poems i don't know what i wrote over these years 
I don't know what I'm gonna do, but I need to put something together. Mm -hmm. And then I was so frustrated because for the last two months, I couldn't figure out why I couldn't finish or put something together. And then once we reconnected, then I realized it's because it wasn't finished being written. The Mm -hmm. last chapter wasn't done yet. (laughs) So um, then after I was just like feeling like a lot of pain, but not as much pain as the first time because I was able to basically reflect on some stuff and understand that I had a lot of, I was realizing I had a lot of codependency issues. And at that point in my life, I recognized it now. So it didn't hurt me as much but it still hurt. And I remember <laughs> sitting on my bed and like just fucking crying and just, damn, I had to write something. And I, and I wrote one of the last poems in that last chapter. And I was just like, no, like I already know this is gonna end. So I have to figure out something to put something together. Cause I'm like a person who needs to get knocked down a few times and then like charge back because like that's what motivates me. And then for the next two weeks after I like cut that off, I was looking like a crazy woman <laughs> cause I went through my phone over like two years printed all these poems out and it was like three in the morning I was sitting on the floor with paper all over the place and I was just putting it by date I'm like okay let's just put it by date and we'll figure it out once we get there and when I was like looking at everything I was like well that's weird that is that theme I don't have to do anything and that's a theme and that's a theme and that's a theme and I was like this is kind of weird like everything's just like I don't have to do much besides like maybe edit in which I had to do. So once that happened, I took two weeks and I was like, I don't know how to do like write a manuscript. I don't know how to do any of this stuff. So I was like like crazy person, like probably like for 48 hours <laughs> trying to research everything. And then I sat down, I was like, I just gotta do it. So I took two weeks straight, like I didn't sleep really. <laughs> and I just came up with this manuscript. And then at that point I sat on it for a bit because I was like, oh wait, this is like real. Like people are gonna really know how I really feel for all these years because I tend to be a really quiet person and private. And I sat on it because I felt like insecurities coming up, like, oh, I don't know if this is good enough. Like, I don't know if I want to put myself out there. Um, Just a lot of stuff. And then I was like, okay, well, maybe I had to give it to other people because I need their approval, essentially, in my mind. And then, like, I was like, I can't wait on other people. So then a few months passed. And at the time, I was actually going through, like, a really rough time. Like, basically, my mom split up with my ex-stepdad. And uh, I was kind of, like, essentially homeless for a bit. So it was like, I put that on pause for a bit until I could figure out my life. Because I was just like, I could understand how I got from going to UCLA to where I was and then like so depressed and just it was just it was a mess and then I would probably say that was 2017 probably towards the end around like November 2017 then I was like okay let me just start doing the final edits let me figure out how to do all this research on how to publish it how do I do this how do I hire people how do I write contracts so I was like basically immersed in all of that and there's also a film component to this book which is going to release in in three weeks the first week of June because I didn't feel that a book really represented who I was. I needed it there to be a visual component because that's also part of my identity. Um, So I started being crazy and planning that process too on top of everything. And I had some great people who helped me out, but it was really difficult to like try to learn so many things and like deal with like emotions that I haven't fully coped with, or at least I thought I did, but I apparently didn't. And then when the new year came in, we filmed the short and there was a lot of emotions that was that were releasing from everything and i at the time i was actually in a a relationship which was very it was really weird because here i am about to release this book about like my past but i'm in a relationship with someone and it, it wasn't like that i cared for this person still but there was a lot of stuff that happened when we were uh, like dating or apart that really affected me in in ways i didn't really realize until like these years later so after the film was done then we my current partner at the time we broke up so then i was kind of dealing with that essentially for a bit but i think she's a great person i just think that we outgrew each other you know I was coming more spiritual and she, um, we just had different paths. And I don't know if someone really could handle that, like have a book come out about your current partner, about another ex. That's kind of a lot of 
to deal with. So I, I respect her. And yeah, after the film was done, after the book was about to launch on uh, April 7th, we had a release party, which was another ordeal that I was running at the same time. It was just so stressful, but uh, it was a learning experience. So that was that process. And now that the book's out, you asked, who is it for? So the, all the poems were together, right? It was already a book written, but at the same time, I still had to come up with the title. I still had to figure out the themes of the title and why I picked those in particular and like why it ends on nine chapters and not 10 chapters. So like that's all in like numerology. Mm. So nine is actually endings, zero's beginnings. So it had to end in a nine because it was over, you know, like things like that. And like why disillusion? Because it's more dramatic. That's why. <laughs> um, and like, why desire? Because another chapter for that was infatuation. Mm. But I was asking different people, like, what do you think of those? And then people gave me <laughs> more in depth about desire. So it was just a, lo- a long process. I don't know if you got the vibe, but I'm kind of sarcastic in a lot of, uh, of it. There's points where I'm really sarcastic. Mm. I miss sarcasm a lot. <laughs> so, I, yeah, maybe I didn't catch on to those it's just like i just really wanted the reader to because i open up with the log line right that's like kind of weird for a poetry book but it's that film aspect i guess and i just wanted people to really think about it art is supposed to be like really beautiful right people praise it but like that stuff comes from a lot of pain so i just wanted people to think about it like i open it up with like a log line which is essentially a storyline for a film right it's fake but then like i'm like p.s this shit can't be fiction it's not fiction so like i just kind of have it like that where it like goes out through the book maybe you do know that this actually happened maybe it never happened like i just want people to really challenge that and like to appreciate art but not glamorize it because it comes from like some deep stuff even that like detail was is new to me because i don't know i don't yeah like i didn't know that i didn't know that logline was a film thing and that whole like play on it of you putting that ps i didn't get that right away until you gave me that explanation now so i can see that you put a lot of thought into this book and it's showing and i want to congratulate you because it was I mean, you just spoke about everything that you did and all the research and sleepless nights. And it's a beautiful outcome. So congrats on that. Thank you. And there's people who die wanting to publish a book and they never do it. So kudos to you. Thank you for for sharing so much more about it. And I would like to dive in deeper into actual poems. So let's see. There's so many to choose from. But I think the first one well we'll go in order because i'm a pretty chronological person but the first one i'd love to dive deeper into is titled june 24 2015 and it's on page 21 do you mind reading them for us by the way i'm not gonna ask oh, you to read man. every single one but how about at the end can i pick like one yeah and read it? okay All cool. Right. we'll do that so For this poem in particular, um, there was a line that stood out. I'm not going to give it all away just to leave the listeners curious and so they could get their own copy. But there's a line that stood out to me and it says, Accept yourself. We are not whiteness. Can you share more about what inspired you to write these lines? The girl I kind of wrote this or inspired me to write this. Basically, I remember one time she was like, yeah, people think I'm like really pretty, but she's a Salvadorian. And she's like, she said something that just stuck with me and it kind of like bugged me a bit. And I I just kind of felt bad. She was like, yeah, they say I'm like really pretty and I'd be prettier if I had blue eyes and not brown eyes. And I don't know why it just, I mean, it really just bugged me that she said that because I felt like, oh, you're just like beautiful as you are and you don't have to be essentially white or Caucasian to be considered beautiful. Um, that's where that came from. And I just wanted her to know that. Like, I wanted her to see her beauty, basically. Do you feel like she was able to see it? I think... <laughs> you don't have to answer yeah, that if um, you don't want to. And I just don't want to, like, put this person on the spot. Yeah. But I think that she had her own insecurities. And, I, and uh, maybe I thought that to the world, she doesn't have any insecurities. A lot of people, I don't think, realize that. 
But I don't think she realized her beauty because if she did, then it'd be a lot different. And I really wanted to point that out just because I feel like it's a general theme, right, in Mm -hmm. the world. And I appreciate it that you named it in this book. Another poem that caught my attention is titled When You Go Missing on page 35 from chapter Uncertainty. And on page 37, though, there are a few lines that allude to family and to hurt. And at the end, you mention specifically violence and shouts. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you mind sharing a little bit more about these lines specifically, like just in general, what made you write them? Basically, this poem was like an observation of a, a verbally abusive relationship my mom was in. And it just felt like, okay, like I go to UCLA and I'm learning all these things and I'm supposed to be like, I don't know, I feel like you have this kind of responsibility in a sense sometimes. And I'm pro this and I'm pro that and this and that, but yet like I stand up, but I have to stand down. Like I want to stand up, but I can't. It was just, it was that observation. And uh, in particular, I was just kind of tracing like uh, domestic abuse, like within my family and just like being a child and seeing that and then just seeing different forms of it and like how that affects you so I was just chasing the basically the pattern of like what I seen in a lot of uh, the women in my family and it I think I was having like a breakdown on that day because for whatever reason she I, I felt triggered by whatever she did and then just being in the atmosphere that you're in like an unhealthy atmosphere trying to cope with that and then like you're in the mirror and you're trying to figure out like I'm supposed to help my mom but how do I help my mom like you know like things like that and I think I just had a lot of flashbacks to like when I was young and like just seeing like uh women in my family like have busted lips and this and that like how do you handle all that and I was still like trying to handle that from like the past to that moment so that's what that was about and uh realizing that I was not necessarily in a, a verbally abusive situation or anything but yet there was violence that I was portraying on myself like I was not feeling good enough so it was a different form of violence and I was just trying to analyze all of this stuff I think that's what that poem was do you feel like you found healing in writing this poem at the moment I think I did this poem is still like it's hard for me to perform live so I think I still have a lot more healing to do but yeah there's also a poem that I thought was very powerful and it's titled dear boy it's on page 83 and it's under the chapter of emptiness yeah what about that one (laughs) I just really appreciated how open you were in that poem and how you just named a lot of things that go unsaid Mm -hmm. would you like to share just a big overview of what that poem is about it was it was really it was uh, trying to deal with the fact that like being in love with like a woman like how does how does a lot of i feel like a lot of that goes unsaid like about women who are sexually assaulted that are queer like what does that feel like i mean in general it's just a it's a hard topic anyway but like how does that feel like to be with a woman right and then for the most part always being like i don't know like dehumanized by some men at times like in just in general by like comments and things like that and then like taking it a step further where that person takes power over you and sexually assaults you like how does that feel and how do you really how do you face that you know like just thinking about that or like i think sometimes maybe people don't like take into consideration what it's like for queer people to have like a family so i just wanted to like for straight people to really think about that because it's stuff that's like taken for granted so that poem was just uh it was just being real it was just like there's so much stuff happening and like we don't talk about it so like i'm just gonna be real and honest and somehow try to forgive this person for for what they did or what they took from me and it was just difficult that was just a part of my soda i guess like healing process in the beginning but i just really wanted people to really like what does that feel like like what would it feel like to be sexually assaulted by a man when you're in love with a woman and what if you had to if you had like you were pregnant like what would you do you know like that's just i just wanted people to think about that but just for women in general 
yeah do you feel like there's a conversation at all or any space at all for that like for that perspective like you said queer women who are sexually assaulted by men like do you feel like there's some type of space where these women can go to yeah i think i actually just read an article a few months ago about uh one of my good friends who i didn't even know uh was recently sexually assaulted by a man and i think an article just came up about that like how that's not really talked about that much but i think there there are spaces for that but like there should be more so another poem it's on page 98 i think it's one of my favorite ones letters to god and it's under the chapter of growing pains and one of the lines that stood out to me was you were taught to be kind and beautiful and i think this line like really angered me (laughs) because it reminded me of yeah like i really felt that like yeah like i was taught to be kind and beautiful and i really disliked that when it was happening i didn't like obviously know it was happening like as a little girl you know and then when you realize that it happened and that it keeps happening and that it's probably never gonna stop happening Mm. it just really pisses me off um (laughs) and then i see it and then i see because i was the youngest you know i'm the youngest of five kids and there's three older sisters my brother and then me but now i have a baby niece and i see you know the cycle repeating itself not only as a society but even like within the family you know those Mm -hmm. things get reinforced so how did that look like for you like what prompted that line in that poem (laughs) i was actually like a tomboy when i was a little kid (laughs) but at the same time like (laughs) i was supposed to be kind of beautiful like i couldn't get like dirty or like i didn't want to wear dresses but i was forced to wear dresses sometimes and i was really quiet so I was, I think that it was a reflection of like, I know a lot of people would be like, yeah, you're so quiet when you're little. I was like, but was I quiet because I wanted to be quiet or was I quiet because I was trying to avoid being in trouble? Like, you know, so it was just a reflection of that. Like, you're supposed to be this really quiet person. You're not supposed to say anything. You're supposed to be pretty. You're supposed to look <laughs> like to be looked at, but like, that's it. Like. I don't know. I think it was just a reflection on some childhood stuff. I think you mentioned, like, being a tomboy. But then we look at, like, I've been scrolling. You know, I did my research. (laughs) So I've been (laughs) scrolling through your Instagram page and, like, looking at your website and your your pictures. And you present very feminine now. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like that's something that you had to, like, grow? Not grow into, but just, like embrace embrace yeah (laughs) so if you watch my first film called soul (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i tackle that a little bit there's Mm. a there's a basically a younger me in one of the scenes and like i'm wearing a baseball cap (laughs) and then my my quote-unquote mom (laughs) takes it off and like fixes my hair and all that um so and in that film basically the main character shuts that side out and then becomes more feminine so at the time i was trying to uh when i wrote that film i was trying to i was exploring my gender essentially but i I do present myself as very feminine because that's how i feel at times but there's other times where i'm actually you see me and i'm not very feminine (laughs) i like have baseball caps and i'm not So I'm kind of like I swerve in and out depending on how I feel. On that note, we'll take a very quick musical break with a song that is very related to the topic that we just discussed. And we'll be right back to discuss more of the book, specifically the strong woman section. Stay tuned. Tomboy, that girl is a tomboy. Who that is, ho? 
We are back. That was Princess Nokia with Tomboy. Now we're going to start talking more about the strong women section in this book. And I wanted to ask you about what you just mentioned right now. We were off air. Letters from 1521. So you confessed <laughs> <laughs> that this is your favorite poem, which I did not think you would have a favorite. Yeah, I have a few favorite, but that's one of my favorites. Why is it your favorite? <laughs> I don't I don't really know, but uh maybe cuz I'm a history major and 1521 is a pretty significant date. What date is that? Technically the year that essentially Spanish completely took over everything. Correlating cuz I basically called the girl Cortez. <laughs> you know, it's just kind of Yo, huge. that's like <laughs> the worst insult. <laughs> <laughs> ever dang I, I know i know that's why <laughs> so i just i really love history and i like to <laughs> damn that's some that's some ruthless stuff right there <laughs> that is there. pretty ruthless i mean she was a bit spanish so if <laughs> it yeah i don't know why it's my favorite poem maybe because i just love history mm. maybe because it's a significant year maybe because we can trace a lot of things and it kind of like it hit me on a deeper level i believe in past lives and i feel like this particular situation was like way more difficult because it stemmed from a past life situation that needed some karma to be balanced out that's wow. why it was so excruciating so i don't know i like i like uh readers to like go backwards a bit have that like mystic feel and also like when i perform <laughs> have a technically an alter ego <laughs> which is uh yeah it's more mysterious and more dark that's a whole other character i take on essentially <laughs> and this one brings it out of me okay that's why i like it and it, there's a lot of pain in it i think too it, it, i think it captures the whole book i would say thing about like 
art and not glamorizing it and understanding like that there's historic roots to a lot of the stuff that we're going through would that be a poem that you'd be open to throw down yeah yeah i'm down to throw down you don't have to do it now but at the end okay i got that perfect I do want to point to one line specifically, or two, that says, in the same poem, like broken bones under churches we all mend, that is not love, it is growth. Mm. And I wanted to ask you, what is love to you? What is love to me? Oh, gosh. You're so deep. <laughs> You're like a mini Oprah right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a compliment because I know you love Oprah. I do. Yeah, love. That's funny. Well, I would say that this isn't love. This is what we were, or I'm not going to speak for other people, but I would just say for my family in particular, what we were shown was, quote unquote, love was to be hurt. And at this time, I, I associated that with love. But now that I'm a strong woman, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's not love. That's just... Uh, that's just codependency issues that you need to work out, essentially. You know, you shouldn't feel like you're dying. <laughs> you know, you shouldn't feel like you're, you're half or you're whatever when someone's not around. And I always like to tell people, I'm not single, I'm whole. <laughs> With or without anyone. <laughs> and that line in particular uh, is one of my favorites because I grew up Catholic, but like now I'm more... I'm spiritual, not in that sense anymore. Like, I don't follow those rules. And I just wanted to criticize the church and basically all the faith. Because my whole family is Catholic. So putting all that faith in them. But, like, what's really happening? You mentioned another poem. I think you said past life. Mm-hmm. Well, you didn't mention the poem, but you mentioned past life. Mm-hmm. And it reminded me of the poem. And I think it just has the year 1805. Mm-hmm. What is that year, history major? (laughs) (laughs) I like to tell people that uh, sometimes I am writing, but essentially, is it really me who's writing? Like, am I just a messenger for something higher? Because sometimes I'm writing things and then then, like time pass and I'm like, read it. I'm like, oh my God, who wrote this? And then I see my name on it. I'm like, oh, I don't think I wrote that. So for me, during that time that just came into my mind so whatever significance that year is i don't know yet but apparently it's significant okay so keeping it open-ended all right all right what a tease (laughs) and then on page 218 there's a poem titled april 2017 in the chapter the return and one of the lines reads rubbing my body with roses it's become a ritual to love myself how have you come to develop rituals of self-love basically that's literally a ritual which you can do so i guess let me just say that i'm a reiki practitioner which is basically if you believe in chakras and energy centers we all have them and basically i realign them realign them for you um and that's working with like energy and like technically spirit like a higher energy so like new moons are to set intentions full moons are to release things and uh i remember when i was like single for like a year during this book i was really starting to meditate a lot and changed my dynamic from like a catholic church perspective to a more i don't even know how to call it but a different spiritual avenue and that's like just things that we do like we do like full moon releases and one of the things was like you basically you meditate you sage yourself you sage the area then you for me i take a bath and then if you have rose petals in it it's a full moon the full moon basically cleanses the water the rose petals you're supposed to rub them all over your skin and basically anything that you don't want to take forward with you the rose petals symbolize that washing it away from you. So there's a song by Sade, and she talks about like washing you off my skin. And that's where that poem came from. Basically, I'm taking you off my skin. I don't want to take you with me anymore. And I just took a bath and let those petals sit. And you're supposed to let them sit there for like 30 minutes and then not touch them and throw them away because it technically it cleanses that whatever you want to get out. Okay. Yeah. Nice. I'm going to try that. <laughs> you should. <laughs> 
Thank you so much for diving deeper into your poems with me. I really appreciate your openness, not only in the book, but in this interview. And let's not forget all the other things that you do. I'd like to talk a little bit more about the films that you've made. And from there, I think, ease into talking about what you're up to now and anything that you'd like to share with listeners in terms of like events or next things happening or where they can find you, where they can purchase your book. Besides the book, which has taken like all my time, I have a few other projects, directing projects that I started last year but are not quite finished yet, particularly the film for this book in particular is almost done it has like one sound mix and then it's uh that will be probably uh released online in three weeks so i'm still like working on that last final piece and then i have another project that i've been working on with one of my good friends she uh she's basically like a tarot card reader and she works with crystals makes like crystal bracelets and things like that i was filming some stuff for her last year and that's like branded content so what does that mean? That's like um, like for a business, basically, how do you direct something for a business to sell their product without like selling their product? Okay. So it's like a commercial, but not so forward. So there's some stuff that is going to be finished within the next few weeks. And then um, I also have this brand that I'm going to launch in September 2018 called I Am Possible Lifestyle. And that's basically going to be a, a vlog of all the things I've learned to get me to where I am today. And that's like teaching you how to meditate, right? People are like, hey, go meditate. And you're like, wait, what? I don't know how to do that. <laughs> yeah. So like, it's going to teach you how to meditate. What are crystals? How do you work with crystals? What's a full moon ritual? <laughs> what are some self-love activities you can do? How to cook for vegetarians and vegans? And then basically physical stuff like workouts. So like the whole idea of the thing is everyone says you can't have the lifestyle you want, but you actually can if you can balance your mind, body, and soul. Basically, I'm taking on a 90-day fitness transformation to show people that they can do it too. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Okay, I'm excited for that. <laughs> um, a random curious question though. Just a Yes. It's, it's not deep. It's okay. <laughs> okay, good. Um, what is it like to be... What is it like to be a director? I was talking to my partner about it last night and I was like, I don't really, I don't really know what that looks like. And mm. I imagine it to be frustrating to me <laughs> as a person. Like I imagine it to be frustrating because if you're directing someone else who's filming, like who has the actual camera in their hands, like how do you do that? <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I just, I'm curious. Yeah, very curious. <laughs> So I'll answer that in two parts, because there's one, what is a director and what does that entail? And then there's, what does it mean to be a woman director? Whoa, okay. <laughs> so that's like two different things. Okay. First one is directing. Essentially, you, let's just say it's a script or something like that. So you have a story. Say you're not the writer, right? Now, how do you get those pages, those, pages, those words onto the screen? How are you going to select shots? You know, are you going to do a wide shot? Are you going to do a close-up? What the heck does a close-up mean? What what does it evoke the viewer to feel? Because literally, directors are just manipulators, essentially, to get you to feel some type of way. So you're thinking about shots. You're thinking about who's going to be your director photographer, who hopefully you guys have a great relationship, because the guy I work with, we have a great relationship. Like, he listens to me, which most men aren't going to listen to a woman. <laughs> so having that relationship where you can trust each other, it has to do with a lot of trust, trusting your team, realizing that, like, you had to find a director of photographer, you have to find a production designer, someone who understands your vision, who you can trust, who is the one who picks out the chairs, and, like, what emotion does that color evoke? So it's a lot of thinking. You're, like, coming up with the vision, right? So you're going to select your shots you're going to look at locations then the day of your shooting right you have to work with the actor on top of that every director is different some people like to direct actors only and they let the director photographer figure everything else out like mm. they know what they want and then they trust the person enough to do it but they're working on performance and then there's some that 
they like performance and they like to select. Personally, I like to do both. I like to work with people, but I also know what I want. <laughs> so finding that person that you can really trust is really important. So then that's production day. And then after that, then you're already thinking about, well, what kind of music is going to be there? How are you going to work with the music composer? How are you going to work with the person who colors the film? It's really just all about collaboration and finding like the right people. And even if you don't find the right people, how do you handle the situations? So that's really what directing is. And then like as a woman director, like that's a little different because like I said, the industry is male dominant. So like, are you gonna get respected? How do you come, cause as a director, you're basically this person who everyone essentially looks up to as a leader, but not like, in like some weird like empire type of stuff but like they look up to you so you have to be calm and collective the whole time you can't freak out because then you're gonna freak everyone else out you know so you have to be this strong leader so like how do you be present yourself as a strong leader as a woman when there's men all around you who don't want you to have that position you know so it's like it's a it's a different dynamic but there's some people who are really supportive you know <laughs> everything's different yeah. but that's just the reality of things Wow, I learned a lot. <laughs> Thank you for sharing all of that. And I have watched a lot of, well, basically you scrolled through all of your YouTube videos on your YouTube page, but I'll let listeners Google you for that. People who are listening, what do you want to leave them with? Whatever you perceive is your weakness is actually your greatest strength. If you feel like you don't belong or you want to give up, things like that, feel it but at the end of the day know that it's actually not true and you can really do anything you want to do if you and it sounds like really cliche but like it's really true if you can like imagine it you can do it so continue to keep doing it and then one thing that like i think took me a long time to figure out was i was always scared to ask people for help because I didn't want to look weak or things like that. But ask for help. <laughs> like, go to people who you trust, like, literally trust, who aren't, like, fake friends and stuff like that, and ask for help. That's the best advice I would give with all of this stuff. And uh, also, be just true to yourself and, like, speak the truth. Speak from your heart. Once you speak from your heart, then you'll, you'll see how many doors will open for you. Just be real. That's it. Thank you. Did you want to read that poem? I, I think you want me to. <laughs> <laughs> I oh, would love that. Damn, 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 damn. Okay. <laughs> you going to tune to the page? Yeah, where is it? Oh, 98, right? <laughs> no, 138. Oh, my bad. That was my other favorite. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> You're trying to do like subliminal <laughs> messages? <laughs> okay, there. <laughs> okay. 15, 21. I love. What would she say? I place the image of my lover on the left hand of the other woman, carving the heart of my innocent love. La Azteca, so I could eat dinner and more pussy. I have made my flame drown. Titanic she was, sorrow like the morning after conquest. And there she stands the love of my life. Church bells ring. It's only the beginning of blood she has shared. Your Cortez. Goodbye, my beloved. I will not weep anything less than Christianity and my indigenous roots. You are free. I pay one more visit to our unborn baby. Woman to woman, sheet to sheet. Only on the day of the dead was I crowned goddess, queen. From the vi vivid lips of other women to your ghost and a boy, I lost my innocence. This is not poetry. This is not love. This is me growing up. This is the future she promised me vividly, emotionally, silently. Like broken bones under churches, we all mend. This is not love. This is growth. Thank you. Bam. I'm going to do some like Drake stuff. Like, Okay. <laughs> have you seen that? Like what? <laughs> the one where Drake's like, 
freestyling, but he's not. No. He's like reading off his Blackberry. Is that what you were doing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's good, so whatever. Thank you so much, Alisa, for being here. I really, really enjoyed having this talk with you and going through your book. I feel honored. It was really nice to really get to know more about you as a person, but also the art that you create. And I feel very lucky to know a lot more about this now. This was Alisa and Griego. What does the N stand for? No, I can't no? tell you. Okay, okay, fine. No, it's fine. I mean, you can keep a secret and it'll make it more mystical. That's true. I'm not going to tell you. All right, cool. So, N, <laughs> thank you for being here and thank you all for listening. Cuando el respeto no alcanza, es como arar 